that's sort of what I felt after I like released all this um, information about it publicly is like, I don't know, it's like there's like a little bit of a shame in that, I think. And I guess that's why a lot of people don't talk about it, too. everyone and welcome back to the finding mr hype podcast i am your co-host erica spira and i'm Allie jackson hello 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 and we this week do not have any official dating updates <laughs> no dates anyway official, official. No dates. <laughs> I don't know, i'm just like i'll get that out of the way up top there, there was no dates yeah. that happened this week i feel like we've been on fire with a lot of updates recently so we have feel- we have been so I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into into future months, and I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah, and also it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're, they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feel it all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. I, <laughs> I, I do have kind of like an out-of-left-field juicy update, though. Oh, okay. Hit us. What's up? Yeah. Okay. So I received a text in the middle of a, a work meeting, like an in-person work meeting, where I looked down, like my phone lit, I keep my phone on like do not disturb, right? But like I saw that something had popped up in my lock screen. I look down and it is Speed Racer. Oh. So Wait. quick, oh. quick reminder how for the ended, listeners. But... He's yeah. the one. So we went on two dates. The second one, like the first one was drinks, whatever. Second one was axe throwing. And then it was a moo. Like we like mm. – texted a little bit after the axe throwing but then neither of us asked to go out again right and this was also the man that did not get your number for a very long time and was only chatting in bumble correct i had to actually thank you for bringing this up this is this is actually really relevant to the story and i forgot about that i had to be the one after our second date to say like because he had taken pictures of us at mm-hmm. axe throwing and videos of me, but like pictures of us, videos of me, whatever. And I had to be like, why don't we do this over text message? <laughs> like you have pictures. Yeah. Like I don't really Real. like sending each other pictures and bumble like we should move to text, right? Man, I forgot about that and it makes the story better. Okay. So yes, that's how it ended. And then we like went back and forth. He sent me the pictures in text after I prompted him to exchange numbers or whatever. And went back and forth a little bit, but then that was it. So he texts me and I I see it and it is, it takes up almost my entire phone screen length. No paragraph? Yeah. Wow. And so I saw it and was like, oh my God, what is this? I'm like, I can't deal with this right now. I'm in this meeting. 
So after the meeting, I pull it up and it starts with, I was on TikTok the other day and I was like, oh man, which he knew about like the reason that he took the videos of me and then sent them to me is because he like knew, knew about the account. However, he's not a big social media guy per his own admission. So he had said like, he's like, oh, like I'm not going to like look at it or listen or like whatever. I assume that everybody does though. Yeah. I I don't don't see how they don't take a browse. He didn't, I guess. Or maybe at least not like after we went out. Maybe he did when we were Mm -hmm. actively going out. But I guess my recap of our second date came up on his FYP. Of the date, which is actually correct, which is actually like really, I'm not even, it's really odd to me because not only was it so long ago, but also that video didn't do very well. So I'm like, I don't really know that it would be circulating FYPs. You might have sought this out on your own, but like, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Well, here's the weird thing with TikTok, right? One, people from your contacts naturally pop up. So if you added you as a contact, boom, there you go. Two, my phone number is crazy. My phone number is not, my phone number is not attached to the, it's a different phone number that's attached to my TikTok. Okay. But number two, I was going to say is there might be a weird thing that the TikTok knew that those photos and videos were in his freaking phone. Oh, God. That'd be some wild shit. But I'm just throwing it out there. Technology's crazy. Oh, Jesus. They're like, hey, here's this video that was made from your videos. Like, truly, (laughs) there there might be some weird connection with that. (gasps) Who knows? Who knows? In any case. So he started with that. He said, like, your video came up. Your video recapping our second date came up. It made me smile. That was how he started. He's like, it made me smile. And I was like, where is this going? Like, I'm reading it being like, is this going to be like a, hey, how have you been type of text? Like a knock, knock, let's restart things type of text? Like, where is this going, right? It was not that. It was, in fact, an exit interview text. Like that book that we reviewed. Whoa, what? Yeah, I would not have guessed that. I was going to be like, oh, he wants to go out again, for sure. Uh, that's what I thought when I started the message, but no. It was – so, you know, we we like reviewed that book that had the woman that talks about like interviewing dates after about why they didn't want to go out again. Yeah. It was that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Did we talk about that in conjunction with his episode? Now I'm, I want to look it up and be like, so he went and listened to the episodes about him. And we mentioned exit interviews. That feels too coincidental for him I to feel, ask for Yeah, one. maybe. Hold on. Now I'm, now I'm going to look. Because it wasn't that. I feel like he was earlier than that, though. I feel like we had not done that yet. Let's see. In updates. No, that wasn't the episode he was on. All right. Well, maybe he's binging the pod. He's a fan. Maybe. Yeah. No, maybe. Officially. So if so, hello, Speed Racer. Um, so anyway, so he said that the reason it made him smile was because we seem to have had two different um, takeaways from our second date. So Remind like, me, what was your takeaway in the TikTok? That I had fun. Oh. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, we have different takeaways. You said the date was very fun. And I don't know if we got the information. Wow. So like okay. literally, I right. ran to the video. I ran to the video to be like, what the fuck did I say about this date? It was like maybe the most generic date recap I've ever given. Like it was like, I had a lot of fun. We talked about a lot of different things. Our conversations ranged across topics, whatever. I had fun. I'd like to see, like, I'd totally go out with him again is what I said. Yeah. And then you made the move to be like, um, how about we get phone numbers? Chop, chop. Yes. He said he didn't think I liked him and that 
Oh, what and a that point. is that really being like our recaps of the date are different, but sure. Okay. He was like, I didn't really get the feeling that you liked me that much. I didn't really think you were asking me any questions. I feel like you like weren't that responsive on text message. And I was like, I'm sorry. I had to, I had to force us to text. <laughs> yeah. We weren't even texting. What are you talking Wow. We- what are you talking about? Also, didn't you kiss? Am I crazy? Yeah, we did. We made out kiss, at the end of that. first date and second. We, not first. You date, made out after date. the second date, and this man goes, yes. "You know, I felt like you weren't really into me." Oh, li- liar! If you're listening right now, you're a liar. And so, and then he said in the text, he said, "Like, I don't know if you still have our conversation, which I do, but if you scroll up, you'll see." And then he like called out. He was like, <gasps> "I sent you the pictures, like, which." this this and then you just like didn't really react i'm like dude i had i had to ask why we were still talking in bumble i felt like you didn't even really want to be texting i had to ask like i didn't think you were that into me either so like no harm no foul i'm not mad about it but like this is a lot yeah or um why didn't you ask me or ask me out on another date if you were into it this feels like a bs excuse i'm sorry it it does, but it also, why are we even talking? It's not like I asked yeah. him. <laughs> I don't. It's been months. Yeah, or like this whole interaction with him, I'm just like, it sounds like you need your ego stroked is what I'm taking away from it. I don't know. I don't know. I truly Like know. what, you sent me the pictures and I wasn't like, oh my God, these are the best pictures I've ever gotten in my life. Thank you so much. If my move is like, hey, by the way, how about we text and get off this app? Probably trying to continue. I don't Yes. know yeah. what you would infer from that otherwise. And I made I out know. with you. I mean, so I guess maybe he like, I, I don't think it's true that I didn't ask him any questions, but that his, that's his perception. So whatever. He doesn't like my conversation style. That's fine. But like, it just was so random. This is very random because the whole point is just... Like, is it an exit interview or it feels like he's like, I want to say my side of the story? The latter, probably. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it sounds like you feel like I gave you an exit interview through a TikTok and now you're like here rebuttaling things being like, uh, my, I don't know what I took from it was different. It's just so interesting because like, I actually thought when I read his text that I had said something negative about him in the video based on the text, right? Like, right. Based on the text, I was like, shit, like, what did I say about this guy? And I go back to the video and it's literally like, we had a lovely time. He's great. So the one paragraph said all of this, all the feedback, all the, I went back to the Bumble messages. I felt like you didn't answer the picture. So everything you just shared was in one big message. Mm -hmm. So what did you say back to him? Did you say like, hey, I left that date being very interested in a second date. And I'm sorry, you know, that got misconstrued or like, what did you say? I just said thank you for the perspective. Oh, so you gave him a polite fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you can be corporate as you want, but that's such a that's a fuck off, man. Don't don't. Send I added this text. a smiley face. No, that's oh, that's worse. <laughs> I would, I would, I would want to smack you. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'd be I like, mean, I oh, was okay. I was. I uh, wanted to smack him. Here's the thing, though. I get it because you're publicly sharing it, and he feels some type of way about it. No, that's fine. fine. Yeah. I, I would flip it on him and just be like, hey, because I didn't hear from you, I assumed you weren't interested. I was I was interested in another date. But 
you know, sorry for what I said hurt your feelings or whatever, but you know, sounds like you don't want another one still. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's the well. thing. That's the thing is that like as I it honestly wasn't meant to be a fuck you, but but, but like I, I didn't I didn't really have any desire to like talk it out with him because he has his perception of how the day went, mm-hmm. and I have mine, and they're different and. I don't want to go out with him again now and doesn't sound like he does either. So I don't really, I didn't really see a point in us like talking, I guess. What's weird is it's like, I think you both left the date wanting another date and now he's putting it on you being like, I didn't feel like you were into me enough, even though you, you know, swap spit. So (laughs) I don't know how much more. Yeah. Like even I understand maybe through the date, maybe they feel like, uh, I don't feel like they want me like in their personal space or something and they're trying to like read your energy. But then at the end, if we're making out, pretty clear, pretty clear signal. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I would respond. It would depend on how I was feeling about the whole thing. But uh, and I almost feel like maybe I would call out like, I'm confused at what the point of this text is. The, at the end of the text, he said, I just wanted to let you know there are two sides to every story, which like I know that already. Because I, I also wonder, it, it actually makes me feel like he did not listen to the pod because if all he has is that video, he could think that I was like, and then I didn't hear from him. Yeah, I was like, is there an update at the end of the video or another one where you just go, oh, the update on Speed Racer is we both didn't reach out. I still don't see how what you did was anything negative. That's where I'm lost with him. I don't think it was. And he didn't even really like, say no. it was negative. Like he just, I think, and no is the answer to your question. I never did. I never did a video being like speed rate, but I said it on the pod, but it wasn't yeah. even a negative thing. It was like, I, I know I also did not reach out like, and I very well could have. That's not on E that's not on him entirely. It's like 50, 50. Yeah. Never said a bad thing about the dude. It's just odd. I, I'm like, is he butthurt that you weren't after the date being like, I'm so into him. And he actually, it's, it's, I'm so surprised that he never looked into any of my socials because he actually heard about the pod way earlier than usual because it happened to come up. You happened to come up because of your comedy, Mm -hmm. like 15 minutes into our date, first date. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said in that moment, I do a dating podcast with her. So like he knew about it from like the first date. So I'm just so surprised too, that it's like so many months later yeah it's very odd i don't my whole question to him is like i don't understand exactly what the point of the text is because i didn't say anything bad about you and also you took videos of the date you knew i was going to post that so i i felt i was as transparent as i could be he actually said in his text because it's a really long text obviously i didn't read all of it just now but like he said in his text that it's he's like i don't mean this to be accusatory like he it's not it's not about the fact that i did the video I yeah. think if I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, I think he thinks that he's doing me a favor by exit interviewing, by letting me know that if I thought I was like telegraphing interest, that I was not. I- I'm trying to put myself in his head, giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I guess. But like, I still think it's dumb. <laughs> but like, <laughs> uh, I mean, you asked for his number and you made out with him. I was like, that's. I don't feel like that's a code. I don't think so either, but so, here we are. Yeah. That's just unfortunate. Damn. Yeah. It just was like, 
I was already having like a really nuts day and I'm like, and now this, now I have a paragraph on my phone. <laughs> right. It would be kind of funny if you were like, okay, you know, thanks for the feedback. If you would like any more feedback, let me know. <laughs> I, could, I could reciprocate. You know, like Jesus. Yeah. And you know, it like actually got me thinking. I, I'd never talked about this publicly because I was just kind of like thinking about it just on my own. But like one of the reasons why I ultimately decided not to reach back out to him again is because I wasn't sure if like the romantic chemistry was building, right? And one of the reasons is because at axe throwing, I was trying to like establish some more like physical closeness, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, kind of sitting down next to him, like putting my hand, whatever. And I didn't really get the vibe that he was, despite the fact that we made out later that night, in those moments, like didn't get the vibe that he wanted to be close to me like that. Yeah, this is all just very confusing. And yeah, to the point where I was surprised when he kissed me at the end of the date because I was like, oh, I thought, oh, okay. Right. And then we made out. So, And then we made out. Uh, this, is, this is just like frustrating to hear where it's just like, bro, I don't know. <laughs> if, it also like feels like a lie. I'm like, why wouldn't you have said something sooner like i just don't understand why it's why it's coming from here yeah all, all all sorts of weird but so yeah so no i did not go on a date today but or this week but i did get feedback about dating oh okay well <laughs> some feedback for the books yes which is you need to i don't know be more clear in your likingness of people even though it is at the end of the day a second date with a stranger from the internet so i know and you know, I was thinking about – that is something I do work on. I don't think that's the case in this scenario. But it is something I do work on when we talked about when we did our um, dating interview or whatever and I talked about the feedback I got – or no, it was when we did Have Him at Hello. And I talked about the feedback I gotten from my matchmaker about how like a couple guys had said I seemed guarded. Mm -hmm. That is something that I work on. But like – so it's like not like the most like out of left field thing. But I was just like in this scenario, I don't – just don't think it was true <laughs> yeah or you know what? i was listening to something today and it was um a guy talking about like i can gauge how excited a girl is for the date like before the date happens even when it is like a stranger from an app and even they admitted it's a little crazy that like someone from an app that we have never met there's still me like feeling this like i don't feel like she's that excited to go out with me and it's like kind of turning them off from the situation when at the same time, oh. it's like, well, but how excited are you to go out with me? It's a stranger. But it's it's all a two-way street. We've never met, especially when we've never met. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't expect someone to be like so ecstatic when they walk in the door that they're meeting me. That feels like a, like a narcissistic dream or something, you know? Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're here to meet and like get to know each other. And see. That's it. Yeah. You know? But it's like, ugh. It just feels like a... Overall, it feels like a male ego thing that it's like, oh, if I'm not hanging on your every word and like so excited and supportive about every freaking thing that you say when we have just met, I'm like, all right, well, then I'm not the girl for you. Okay. Well, that's ultimately what I came to was like, all right, I guess my conversation style is not for him. I guess my texting style is not for him. That's fine. Which is interesting because I remember the first day you saying you felt like you had 
great conversation in chemistry and we're laughing and having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm yeah. like, I don't see how you went into date number two, not excited enough, you know? And see, well, we were still talking on Bumble, so I don't know how excited I could be. <laughs> so that's my update. I actually have a little update to the um, <laughs> trying to cheat scenario from last week. Um, I mean, it's not huge, but uh, there a post came up from their Instagram, and it was a happy anniversary post, and oh, had Lord. like whatever full amount of photos you could have to swipe through on an Instagram post and the long caption and blah, blah, blah. And all I could think was just like, you know, sometimes they say the longer the caption, the more problems. Mm-hmm. Feels like that scenario where I was like, mm, someone might be feeling a little guilty. Uh, but yeah, I just was like, Ugh. to like see that and have that interaction with that person. I was like, you like, are you going to like mute him or block him or something? Oh yeah. I unfollowed him already. I was just like, Oh, yeah. Hell no. No, no, no. I'm like, I don't need I don't need this. Yeah, no, you do not. No, just was, you do not. Yeah. Or I don't know if this is a negative note to say or something, but it's like, yep, you know, all relationships are not what they seem. So when you're single and you see people posting and in love and blah blah blah, you know what? It's not what it's all cracked up to be. Okay, being single's all I- pretty fucking great. I actually think I think that's like a very positive takeaway that like not obviously that's not a positive takeaway that this guy's cheating on his fiance but or trying to no not that part, but like but, yeah. but I do think it's worth noting that nobody or very few people are posting to social media and being like I had a fight with my partner today my partner and yes. I are not doing well we are like no one is doing that mm-hmm. and so it seems because of that like everyone is in these like idyllic happy relationships and it's just not the case yeah a good friend of mine constantly reminds me of that where she's like girl i always had boyfriends and they were always terrible she's Mm -hmm. like they were never good relationships she's like so like i look at you and she's like i wish i was more like you and wouldn't like put up with this bullshit that i would put up with from people Mm -hmm. just because i wanted a boyfriend so i'm like yeah there's always several ways you could look at something yeah. And I'm not saying anybody I, I, that has a, you know, relationship right now and posts their significant other. I'm not saying your relationship's bad either. Please. Don't no, of course way. not. But, but, you know, yeah, it's all a highlight reel. It's all a highlight yeah, reel. I'm, but there are watching... two sides to the story, Allie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the perspective, Erica. Fuck you, Allie. All right. <laughs> Um, on that note, we have, we actually have a rather serious topic. This week. Yeah, we have a great guest today and we're just, uh, kind of goofing off over here. Uh, anyway, uh, we're continuing the fertility series and we have Jordana Abraham coming on. Um, she started her own podcast called Baby Steps, all about her own fertility journey and struggles with fertility as well. And we reached out to her to come be a guest for this topic and we're looking forward to you guys all hearing our interview with jordana yeah i'm excited to chat with her and very topical for you since your egg retrieval was this week it was so we timed it perfectly so everybody enjoy yeah let's get to jordana listen up guys if you haven't heard yet we're coming to the dc comedy loft for another live podcast thursday march 21st get your tickets we are I think over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets if you want to come. Experience some magic live. We want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. 
and it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come DC Comedy Loft Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand up shows. Start swiping on Hinge, bring a date, have a good time. And You'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrhight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. And we are back with Jordana. Hi, Jordana. Welcome back to Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me um, back. I guess I've been here before. <laughs> um, so I had a great time last time. So I'm excited to be back talking about a slightly different topic. Yeah, it was a perfect timing that um, you started your own podcast called Baby Steps, all about fertility journeys and your own journey going through IVF and different pregnancy things. So we appreciate you coming on for the topic. Of course. So I did save a, a personal update to do with you here as you, you're also going through these things. Yeah. Um, this past week was my official egg retrieval. So I'm officially oh, wow. done, which is very exciting. Awesome. Uh, Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> kind of relieved to have it finished, done with. Yeah. On to the next thing. Um, How'd it go? It went well. So I actually okay. did get some like kind of scary news a little during the process because you know you go in every like couple days and then mine turned into then pretty much going in every morning for blood work and an ultrasound because my count of follicles was originally close to 20 and then all of a sudden they could only see 10 and then I was spending the week being like do we know what number are we gonna get this and that and my estimate was 12 and then I had a surprising news of after my procedure that they were able to get 21, which I was awesome, shocked and Amazing. did not believe they were my eggs. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes they have them like hiding behind other eggs. They're yeah. like, yeah, I've heard I had that. like a small cyst that enlarged, I guess, due to the okay. meds. So that's what was like causing the blockage from seeing it. But they didn't want to, I guess, get my hopes up. They were like, we don't know if we'll get to right. it. But I came out of anesthesia and they said 21 and I said, are you sure those are mine? Cause they told me to <laughs> go back and check. Uh, did you take some from someone else? Right. Yeah. 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 I was like, can we double check that I was the correct room you're talking about? Um, well, that's awesome. Then, yeah. I was, I was really very nice. Yeah. Cause a lot of times it happens the other way and this is way better more, you know, mm. exciting. Right. So I was like, I felt relieved that I was like, okay. And then they ended up 17. We're good too officially be put in storage. So I kind of just feel relieved um, that I don't feel like I have to face the decision of like, would I do another round was kind of what was on my mind going in. Like, okay, we'll do this round. We'll see. And of course my mom uh, was there with me and being the nice Catholic Italian woman she is, she was saying the rosary before. And I knew I was like, (laughs) I'm going to say I got 21. (laughs) And she's going to be like, 
you see, I was saying the rosary. (laughs) You know what's what's really cool that um, I think my mom told me is that because you like form, you get, you make all your eggs like while you're in utero, utero, like your eggs have technically been inside your mom, which is like kind of crazy. Right. It's like, (laughs) yeah. It's like, it sounds like a high thought, but it's kind of weird. It's like <laughs> your eggs are like, have already been in your mom and your mom's eggs were like already in, I don't know. It's like all maternal linear. Yeah. It feels stuff. like it's a win for her as much as a win for me. Right. <laughs> She's like, we did it. Right. Yeah. And I will say this. I was, I was pleasantly surprised with the shots. I don't know how you were reacting to the shots when you had to do your egg retrieval, but I, I surprisingly was like, these are really not bad. Yeah, I thought it was like kind of empowering. Like once you get over the initial shock of like, should they be allowing me to do this? This doesn't feel yes. like something I should be allowed to do. Um, I think once you get over that phase of it where it feels like, I don't know, something's unnatural, then I feel like it becomes like really empowering. Like once you get the hang of it, you're like, yeah, like keep going. <laughs> once I got the Spot. hang of it, because I froze my eggs two yeah. years ago. Oh, you did too. Okay. And awesome. Yeah. And originally I was so anxious about, you know, I have to like mix the meds and if, and I like fucked it up once and I wasted a whole thing. And like, once I got past that, it was fine. Exactly. The first, the first like day or two, it's, um, it's a little scary. And it's like, I think it's very nerve wracking because there's no one there to be like, okay, you did that right. So you're just kind of like, I guess we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice about the place I went to shout out to spring fertility. They had me do a run through in front of them. And it wasn't actually with like real medication, but it was with the vials and the correct, you know, that's really nice syringes and stuff like that. Oh, and nice. they, so she basically just showed me and then I did it and she was like, oh yeah, there you go. You got the hang of it. And of course I was like, yeah, well, it's really easy to be confident when it's not like the thousands of dollars of medication I bought and it's right. your medication I could play with, you know, it's like, yeah, let's that's cool right. that they let you do that though. That's, um, yeah, that's probably really helpful. And the one, um, the one that you do in the pen when they pulled it out, I immediately was like, oh, this is like my grandma's diabetes medication. And they were like, yeah, I guess similar. And I was just like, oh, all right. I was like, my, my grandma's half losing it, but she knows how to take her little medication in this pen. So I was like, all right, that, that one's going to be easy. That's I not can bad. do this. Yeah. She can like, do it. Can you do can it. do it. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I was like, oh, I dial to a little number. Pretty easy. For me, personally, I found the most uncomfortable thing of the whole process was the ultrasounds having to do because they really get up in there to go see the ovaries. They're, they're in there. Everybody else feel that way? There's a lot of them. They're like constant. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, this is more painful to me than the shots and dealing with all that stuff. I was like, oh, if I have to go in for another ultrasound. And then I, and then I did, but we, we made it through. Oh, we mine weren't that painful. I might have, I must have a wide set vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this feels fine. <laughs> mine weren't bad until the end because like by the end you're like uncomfortable and you're bloated. And I was just like, I just like don't want to be anywhere right now. And I think that was just like yeah. contributing to it. No, I, I I could see that. By the end, you're like, all right, I'm a science experiment. Like, I've had enough. Um, so I guess to start, uh, you've been through a lot of different things that have to do with fertility. I feel like you're you're somebody who now has officially kind of tried everything, right? Yeah. Like start, <laughs> you were like, okay, I'm having trouble getting pregnant or staying pregnant, and then you move to like fertility drugs, right? For like sure. shots, and yeah. then. Then IVF, if I'm correct, right? I actually like never really tried on my on my own because I I went off birth control and then I didn't get a period for like I don't know three months or something. So I was getting like a little concerned. So I saw a fertility doctor basically like before I even 
um, was like really trying just to find out why I wasn't getting a period. Um, and then she figured out that I had PCOS, which is so it kind of just makes it very difficult mm. when you have PCOS to figure out when you're ovulating because those like sticks that you be on tell you if you're ovulating, like they don't really work or they, they tell you it like too many times or something that was like positive too many times. So it was um, to get around that there's, they can give you like a shot, which just basically like forces you, you, you to ovulate. Um, and that was the first thing I did, which should, which worked pretty well. I got pregnant the first time I did that. Um, but then after that, like after I miscarried, I was trying for a few months and then I just decided to do IVF just to like take the pressure of the timeline more off of it. In the, in your intro episode for baby steps, I really appreciated how you were talking about that timeline and kind of that pressure that you felt of feeling behind mm-hmm. and feeling like, you know, this, this was, that was really weighing on you. And I, I think that's something that a lot of our listeners can relate to. Oh, totally. I mean, I think that was like the most, um, distressing part of it was just this feeling of like, I'm going to be like alone in all of this. And like, everyone's like, I'm watching everyone in real time, just like move past me. And like, it felt like, I mean, I, and you know, the more I, the further I get away from that, the more I can see like how unimportant that is. Although it's still like, there's still a little bit part of me, like in the back of my brain that feels that way, even though like rationally, I'm like, who cares if, you know, you have kids a few years later than everyone else. Like no one, no one cares, but you. Um, (laughs) so, (laughs) but like getting over that was definitely helpful for my like day-to-day happiness. I think getting over that idea that I had to be on the same time as everyone else. Yeah. And also, you know, starting your podcast, I heard you talk about like when you go through these things, if you don't know someone personally, who's close to you, who has also gone through these things, it can just feel even more isolating and more alone, specifically with going through a miscarriage. Because I feel like people in general have been a lot more open about those sorts of things like in recent years. So I also I can imagine when you went through that, it really felt like, how do I even share this with people, especially if the people that you would first look to are people that just had children? Right. Yeah, I think it was like, I think that kind of, looking back at that again, it kind of showed like how naive I was about the whole process. Cause like mm. I was like six weeks pregnant. I told everyone, um, <laughs> I, like, oh. <laughs> I told yeah. like everyone I was like, cause I don't know. I just didn't anticipate having any, I, none of my friends had had them. My mom has eight children. Um, yeah. so I was like, all right, like this isn't like a thing that I'm going to have to deal with. Um, and I think I was just like very naive and I told everyone and I was making like all these plans and I was like, it kind of feels like, you know, and to relate it to dating because it did feel like that. It feels like, you know, when you're like younger and you start seeing a guy and you think it's going to be like forever and you tell everyone and then like the next week he breaks up with you. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> or like, yeah, goes, or like goes or like, um, ends it with you because you weren't actually even dating. Um, so it's <laughs> like, that you know you look back on that I'm like okay like I probably um got a little bit ahead of myself there um and then yeah it felt very isolating because it wasn't even like anyone else that I you know at least when you go through a breakup there's someone else who can probably relate and I didn't really have anyone in my life at that time I mean since then I have had more people that I've seen and known and um and spoken to about this that that have gone through that but at the time it was um it it just felt very unexpected, which I think was what made it um, so painful 
are a big part of what made it so painful. I've really like appreciated how much more people have been talking about it. And like, I remember a good friend of mine had a miscarriage, I don't know, five or six years ago. And her OBGYN said to her like, oh yeah, it's just your run of the mill miscarriage. And she was like, what? I'm sorry. What? I didn't know there was such a thing. And it was like so matter of fact because like it just is so common, but because it just hasn't been out in the public sphere, people just don't know that. Yeah. I think it's like, it's, it's that kind of thing that's not really talked about. Just like a lot of like when people are trying for a while, it's like not, they don't really talk about it or they talk about it once they have the baby, which is like sort of why I start, I started baby steps because I felt like only things I saw were people like sharing once they had the success. And then you kind of have mixed feelings about that where you're like, okay, it's, that's in some ways it's encouraging. Cause it's like, great. They've been trying like some people, other people can be really hard. And then one day it works and it's there, but it's also kind of like, well, of course you can say that. Like you, like you had the success. It's like, um, so I kind of didn't really see that many people who were posting who were in it who were like fully going through it. And I think that was what, when I did rare on a rare occasion, see that that was what actually made me feel, I think a little bit less um, alone in it. Yeah. I mean, to relate it back to dating, like you did before, mm-hmm. it's like when people are like, you know, they're married and they're like, it'll happen when you least expect it. And you're like, well, that's Ugh. easy for you to say. Cause you're married right. now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not particularly helpful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, now I'm even, it's like, even with, with baby steps, now that I put it out there, I get a lot of DMs with people with like a lot of unsolicited advice, which I find to also sort of like when your married friend gives you advice, it's like, um, I didn't really ask you. So, um, (laughs) in fact, I didn't ask you at all. Yeah. Well, it's, I wasn't interviewing. Right. Well, that's the other part about baby steps that I really wanted to do because you see, when you see these success stories, you see like a very, abridged version even when like someone's had an issue see a very abridged version of it and so I wanted like the full story I wanted like the full details of the story to like because I think that's more relatable people usually like gloss over the whole thing and say like you know you had issues and then it was fine but if you get like the real um breakdown like there's so many things that you have to do like the little like details of all of it um, that I think really make a real story that you can't really see on social media because it's just not a medium where you get you have time to see like the full beginning to end story. Yeah, and I um I haven't gone through any pregnancy stuff yet, but when I was diagnosed with herpes, that's exactly how I felt. I was like the doctor immediately was like, Yeah, this is everybody's got this. I see this all the time. And all I could think was, I don't know one person that has this. Right. Like, of all the people I know, not one person has ever said they have this thing. And then when I found other people and joined this like group and I just found other people, but specifically that were single and also had this, I found it so, so much of a relief because anyone I found that would publicly speak about it was in a relationship and on the other side. Right. And it, it, same thing. It felt like, oh yeah, now you're, now you're cool. Now you don't have any shame. And it's like, what about all those things you were going through that the rest of us are going through that are like struggling with disclosing to people and all these other things? Yeah. It's a totally different beast when you're going through something and you're, and you're currently in it and you haven't like solved the issue. I think it's a lot more, vul- it's a lot tougher. It's a lot more to be a lot more vulnerable. And, um, I think it's just like a scarier thing to put out there. Like, just like your story. Um, when 
you don't have it figured out yet. It's just scarier. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually was curious when when you were public about it, did you have anyone come forward that you did personally know now reveal to you that they also have been through those things? Yeah, um, I definitely had that from from baby steps, um, from you know, just even talking about it on like you up paywall paywall episodes and things like that. Um, I had a lot of people tell me about um, struggles that they had, and you know, what was really interesting is I I had seen a lot of men um, tell me about that, like uh, you know that the kids that they that they had. Um, that they had two, three miscarriages before they had them. And that's not something I'd ever heard a man discuss like yeah, with wow. me before ever. Um, and I think Eric, I had Erin Andrews on the podcast and she was, you know, she works with like all these football players and like people in sports, very male dominated. And she was saying like when she, when she went through it, like that was also something that was really different from about her experience and kind of great because there really aren't many outlets for men to like talk about anything like that, I think. So they got kind of sort of like forgotten about in the whole process. But um, I thought that was really cool that she had that kind of experience. Yeah. One thing I even caught was um, in the episode, you talked about how like you had a doctor almost advise you to like not share too much with your husband, Yeah, like too much details, almost like, well, don't take the romance out of this. And you're sitting there like, but like, this is a hard thing that I'm going through as well. So I was curious, like through this process, have there been moments that you felt like you either struggled to share things with your husband or then suddenly felt like you were in your own head and holding back information? Mm -hmm. I felt like, or I feel like, I mean, I'm still in it. Um, I feel like I've, I mean, I've, I've told him about all my feelings surrounding it. When it comes to the actual process, I just don't really think he understands like the nuances of like the woman of like how it all works to be totally honest. Um, I mean, he'll try, but it's just not, and it's not happening to him. I find it, I've found it much more um, relatable to talk to other women going through it. I think there's just something about like, you know, understanding the process of it happening in your body to your body that just is different. And he's, you know, he's very supportive and he's, but he also doesn't understand like, I think he doesn't have the same sense of like the time pressure that I do or feel like he's very much like, which is nice. In some ways it's really nice because he's like, there's no like pressure. Like when are you going to give me a baby? Um, or something like horrible <laughs> like that. There's no like sense of like, like what's the hold up? Like what, why can't we figure this out? It's very much like it'll happen when it happens. Like I, he's in no rush. Um, in fact, the first time I got pregnant, I think he was like a little early for him. I think he like wasn't fully ready. I mean, at this point he is, but I think, um, he just doesn't, maybe it's being a man. Maybe it's like just being, you know, the same age as me. So it's, it just feels different. I think for him, he's like, it'll happen eventually. He feels very confident in that. And he's not, he doesn't, I don't think he just gets like the sense of urgency that I have. Yeah. Or sometimes I feel like maybe they're embarrassed to ask questions if they Mm -hmm. truly are like at level one of just female anatomy right. <laughs> like like my friend this actually just happened my friend went to uh, a guy I know and was looking into IVF because her company you know covers it and stuff and at the end you know they talk through everything and the doctor says so do you guys have any questions and her husband was with her and her husband just goes yeah so like what is a period <laughs> <laughs> 
And she was like mortified, like, oh my God, could you ask me and not like start at level one with the doctor? But the right. guy was just like, you know, like no one gives us a chance to really ask these questions and find out. And so we're kind of just left in the dark. And then you're just like, well, I finally have a doctor in front of me. Like, let me figure yeah. it out. You know? I think it's like a weird position to be in as a man because you can't really like do that much like you can provide the sperm and then that's sort of your your job here is kind of done um when it comes to like assisted fertility or natural birth it's kind of like once you know what i mean i say that i've said that to him i'm like you could die and i could have this baby like without you like you're like like there's just no like there's just uh like i'm doing literally all the work like you could literally die and everything would move forward as as planned (laughs) um (laughs) Which always yeah, makes someone true. feel really good. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's only so much he can do and there's only so much that he can understand. And I, you know, I say that as a joke, but like, um, and it's not their fault. But I think that that's sort of where men get a little lost in this is like, they can't really like physically do any of the work there for you. They can't take the shots for you. They can't um, carry the baby for you. Like, there's really... All they can do is like be supportive to the extent that they can and know how. And, you know, I appreciate that. But it is frustrating, like just because it's a biological thing doesn't mean it's not um, annoying. Like I said to him, I think once he said he like I was complaining about something and then he like misunderstood it. And he asked me some some question that like I had already answered the next day. I don't even remember what it was. And I was like. Oh my God. I like freaked out at him. And I was like, and he's like, I'm sorry. I didn't know what that meant. I'm like, well, why don't you fucking Google it? Um, so <laughs> like, it can get, it can, you know what I mean? That it can get like, um, tense, even when there's no, again, it's not like anyone's fault. I think that one person would know more about the whole process or the whole situation just by nature of it happening within their own body. Yeah. God, I yeah. remember in high school, biology we learned about both you know reproductive systems and we had like diaphragms or diagrams we had to label and i studied with my guy friend and i was like all right i go well clearly you know your stuff and i know my stuff so let's switch papers you label the female stuff i'll label the male stuff and we'll check each other's work and i label it and then i look over he hasn't labeled one fucking thing he was just (laughs) so lost and overwhelmed he was like this is a lot this is you guys got 20 different labels a lot of parts like four things (laughs) so many parts so many parts. I was like, well, thank God you're studying with a woman then. You know, I got to really walk you through this. I really appreciated how you talked about that relationship with your body. Like you're saying that like it's tough for your husband to understand because it's happening in your body. And you talked about mm-hmm. like the relationship of your body being like any other relationship that you have. Right. And feeling frustrated. And I just thought that was just really powerful. Oh, thank you. I mean, like it was – um, it's kind of like a new relationship with your body. And I've always had like in my – mind like a pretty good relationship with my body generally speaking like we all have our days but generally like I've you know I felt like we've worked well together and like we've done you know we're like a you know we get along and then this whole thing happens and I'm like why won't you just like do what I want you to do like just like just just do it like <laughs> like do the um, thing. yeah and it's kind of feels like you're like your mind and your body are a little bit at war, um, which is, I'm sure things people who aren't even having kids struggle with, um, a lot of the times when it comes to body image and, and, you know, body love and all that stuff. But like, for me, that was also something that was new. I was like, this is the first time that I feel like 
I am not, we are not like in sync. Um, you're not doing what I am telling you to do. And like, you're keep letting me down. And it's sort of like, it feels like you're almost practicing for having a child because you're like, what do I do when like, you are not listening to me? What do I do when, um, I'm like angry with you? Um, when we don't feel like we're getting along, like, do I punish you? Do I like just continue to like medicate you? Do I like make you just go through the ringer of all this like hormonal shit? Do I give you a break? I don't really know. It almost does feel like in some ways like I'm I'm uh, parenting my own my own self, my own body. It's like a very weird uh, thing to feel. <laughs> yeah, I was curious, and this this comes from kind of my own like lens of kind of this balance of like. I don't know if you feel like on the like masculine versus feminine energy level, you like lean more towards masculine, but like, I feel like I lean more towards masculine, right? Even in mm-hmm. like my personal style, like I don't typically love a dress and things like that. But like with going through this, I'm curious, do you at all almost feel like a little bit disconnected to your like femininity and frustrated in that sense? Yeah. I think that's actually like a really big part of it that um, I haven't heard mentioned really before, which is a really good question. I think there's something that feels like particularly shitty about failing in this every time you fail because it feels like, you know, like you're a woman, like this is what you're supposed to do. Like this is a big part of um, this is like biologically why you're here is to like create more and it almost like makes you think back to biology class like if I can't and the things that don't reproduce just die out so it's like it does feel like almost like an existential thing where you're like am I a woman if I can't make a baby if I don't have one of those cute little pregnancy like bump things if I'm not like a mother like what who like is am I less of a woman do I feel like I've failed like almost on like a human level um it's like a kind of a part of it that I don't think anyone really talks about. I think that's maybe like kind of the embarrassing part. Um, Like it feels a little, it feels a little embarrassing, I think, to like public. And I think that's sort of what I felt after I like released all this um, information about it publicly is like, I don't know. It's like, there's like a little bit of a shame in that, I think. And I guess that's why a lot of people don't talk about it too. Yeah. And like from a personal lens, it's like, if I was to be in your shoes, there would be this part of me almost feeling like, oh, this is almost the thing I felt like people were always telling me. Like I wasn't nurturing enough. I wasn't this enough. I wasn't soft enough. But like mm-hmm. maybe if I was more of those things, like then it would be somehow easier for me, which definitely is not true. But it almost right. feels like, oh, like, thank God you're more this like career woman and like direct and blah, blah, blah and all those other personality things. Where, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to put this idea in your head, but like, I was thinking of it through my own lens of just like, God, I, I feel, I would feel like, oh, of course. And like, feel this right. thing people are looking at me like, well, you know, you really aren't the nurturing motherly type or whatever bullshit, you know? Which well, is, it's, I it's don't funny. Believe, uh, yeah, no, I think it's, that's, def- that's crossed my mind in some ways in terms of like, um, you know, I, I did that Reiki thing. Like, yeah, which, which is, is uh, I was very intrigued by because I'm you know, so not a woo-woo person either. <laughs> I'm really not. I enjoyed doing it, and but like I don't, I don't know if I believe it. I'm kind of like, we'll see. Like, we'll see if it works. I don't know. <laughs> I um, I watched someone yeah. do Reiki when my dad was sick. He yeah. did Reiki, and I like watched it, 
And it was like, well, this is interesting. Yeah, it's different. It's kind of like, it can't hurt. A lot of this stuff that I like th- throw in everything at the wall, I'm kind of like, it's not, Why not hurting. Like, we'll see. And I think for a while, it did give me um, kind of like a a better outlook on it, a better, um, like more positive feeling around it. Um, but one of the things she did tell me was like the feminine, like, like you should be like receiving more. Like the, the, fe- like the, yeah. it's uh, more masculine uh, to like chase stuff and it's more like uh-huh. feminine to just like receive shit, which sounds like nice. I'm like, do I go to a spa? Is that what this means? <laughs> I don't like, um, I don't really know. It's kind of like not my energy. I agree. Like my energy is not like just things come to me. It's like, I go get things. Um, yeah, I feel the same way, you know, and that's yeah. part of like the, like I, part of my initial thought around this was like, I'm just going to like, n- like double down and like, just like knuckle through this and just get, cause that works in a lot of other ways. It works in a lot of other ways in my life. Yeah. I have a, a few friends who've struggled with infertility and they're similarly to what we're saying, like go-getters, like career women, like they, you know, they, if there's a problem, they're going to solve it. And they're like, mm-hmm. this is the first problem I've ever come up against that I couldn't just solve. And like, if yeah, I there's tried, really nothing you could do. Or, yeah. <laughs> like, they're like, I just, I just couldn't. And it was the first time that it ever happened. Yeah. And that's sort of the frustrating thing about the, like, it'll happen when you like relax kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, you got in the back of your head. I'm like, maybe it will. But like, what if I'm not the kind of person who can relax? Like, what if I what never if relaxed? relaxed? Then, yeah. <laughs> Like that's not relaxing to feel like I have to relax. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how to get to that point. Yeah. It's the classic tale of, you know, people start looking into adoption and they kind of right. accept the fate that like, okay, I just won't have biological kids. All right. On to the next thing. And then the minute they're adopting, they get pregnant. Right. Well, I mean, I can tell you that those people are, are I think that there's a level of like lying in there too. Where it's like, <laughs> no, I think that's like, it's like, I've had months when I've taken a break and I've tried naturally and you're like, you're never like, I'm, you're always like in the back of your head every time you have sex, you're like, maybe I'm pregnant. Maybe. Like you're never like fully like, I've completely lost all, you know, I'm not trying at all. Like I think very few people are like not even thinking it in the back of their head. It's like an oversimplification, but people do tell those stories and they are extremely annoying. So on the note of people like having gone through the journeys, you know, et cetera, you've mentioned the people that talk about their fertility journeys now on the other side of it and they have kids. Mm -hmm. What about hearing from people who have been through infertility struggles and didn't end up having kids? Right. Like how, how do those stories land with you? You know, I find it encouraging that I really can't find that many people with that issue. If I'm being totally honest. Um, I do think if you're like, Ad, and maybe they're just not public about it. Um, it's possible that I just haven't heard from them. I've heard a lot. I've heard from some people with like secondary infertility that are more talking about it and going through it. I haven't really heard um, of anyone personally that is like, I think, been trying for a really long time and just never, ever, which is encouraging, I think, in some ways because, yeah, you know, and I do think at the end of the day, like, if you are open to every option available eventually with enough time and money, to be honest, um, like you can have a child in some way, shape or form. 
I haven't heard many examples of people who just like it never happened. It's over. And like, and again, maybe they're still at it. So, and they're quiet about it. It's possible. Uh, I was going to ask you, like, if you could go back from when you started and you decided like, okay, I think I'm ready to be pregnant. I'm ready to have kids and started the whole journey. What do you think you would say to yourself back then? Right. Oh, I would say tell less people. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I wanted to, here's the thing. I wanted to, I, I say that as, as kind of a joke. Cause I think I would have, everyone I told is someone that I would want to know that I had miscarried. Right. Like I have like, I told right. like my, my good friends and like, I don't think I would have kept, maybe I would really, it's, it's really, I would have told them eventually, but I think it's more this feeling of like, you kind of have to tell them like pretty quickly because like um, they think you're pregnant and like that's awkward. They think you're pregnant. So it's more like you kind of take away the ability to tell people things when you want to tell them. Um, You kind of like time is like you can't be like three months later. I'll tell you that I'm not pregnant because that's going to get weird. Um, Yeah. So so maybe like be a little bit more thoughtful about uh, who I was telling or when I was telling. Um, And then I think like. I mean, it's weird. I do think this whole thing has taught me a lot about patience, a lot about um, like acceptance, a lot about um, learning to learning to be uncomfortable. Um, so I don't, you know, I'm not going to say like I enjoy it or that it's that I feel like it's like so amazing for me because there's been very low moments for me. But I do feel like the process has changed me in some some form of a good way. Yeah, I, I loved the the resiliency theme that you were talking to your sister about in the intro to Baby Steps and, and about how much this process has built that resiliency for you in this particular aspect. Yeah, and I think it's like, um, you know, I feel very like lucky that it took me until the age of like 33 to feel like things just were not working out for me. Like I think a lot of people experience that a lot younger um, and you know, I didn't really, I mean, I think I've, you know, on a empathic level, you kind of know what that feels like, but until you like go through it and you can't really change, you're, ha- you're having this sort of issue and you can't change your circumstance and, um, it feels like everyone around you is just like luckier than you. Um, I don't think you can fully understand it. So, in some ways, it's like it's really good for building resiliency. I think it's like uh, it's definitely made me a lot more of a compassionate person. And like I think I understand people not just going through this struggle, but going through any struggle where it's like you're just not dealt the good cards on this particular issue. Whether it's you know, I mean, like dating, I've had my own issues with. Obviously, like I have the a dating podcast, but like any kind of other thing, like any chronic illness, any kind of like thing that people have, where it just kind of feels like you just drew a bad card. Um, it feels like you're just really unlucky. Um, and what that's like. And I think that that's like an important thing to have in life and it's probably an important thing to have as a parent. So I'm hoping that, you know, helps prep me. Yeah. And something I've heard you talk about in your podcast too, is like how a lot of times women have like a fantasy in their head about being pregnant at like the same time as their friends and like Mm -hmm. we're both gonna go for a walk in the stroller and and there's also kind of this sense of like community sometimes we're like nice and we can help each other out like we both have babies we won't just be like home by ourselves with the baby we can come over so I, I feel like that also kind of feeds into everything you're saying as 
you know, one of like the frustrating parts is it's like, yeah, how great would that be? But kind of trying to accept like that is also okay if that's not how it works out for you and your timeline. But I I imagine that's frustrating on like a few different levels, especially if you're struggling with fertility. Like, do you do you find it almost kind of harder to talk to your friends that are like having kids right now about these things when they come up? I feel like um, it's nice to feel like you have people who are like rooting for you. Um, So in that way, it's 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 good, but it has its own struggles. I think when you don't fully get it, sometimes you'll say a comment that like is actually not really helpful and actually very annoying or actually like kind of (laughs) triggering or, you know, they're like, I think there's sometimes things where, you know, you are the last to notice because that someone's pregnant because they don't want to like upset you. But then it's like more upset that it's more upsetting that you like think I can't handle this. And now you're like, hide, like you feel bad for me that feel it's like, that's more upsetting than feeling like I'd rather you tell me with everyone else and not like, you know, make me into this person that I uh, don't want to be. And it doesn't mean that I won't be like immediately like jealous when I hear it, but like, I'll get over that. Um, And and you were going to feel that way regardless of when you found out. Right. Exactly. So it's like, I guess it's for them. They just don't like, they, they feel it's not, I understand why I'm not the first person you want to tell because like, I'm not the person that's going to be the happiest for you. I'm like eventually going to get there, but the, my immediate reaction is going to be like a little bit like a gut punch. I'm going to feel extremely jealous. And then an hour and a half later, I will feel very happy for you. Um, so I understand why I'm not like, oh my God, like who can I tell first? It like, wouldn't be me. But mm-hmm. I also don't like being last. So, you know. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard jealousy lesson. It's like jealousy yeah. is a real emotion that we all experience. But we yeah. always act like it's this horrible, terrible thing when, you know, you would hope like, well, the people I'm closest to, I hope would like understand. And like you said, you're like, yeah, I am a little jealous. I'm also happy for you at the same time. Like I can yeah, exist in the world both. that like both are true, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's the whole thing about, I mean, all this stuff comes with so many different emotions and so many different days that it's almost hard to like figure out how I'm doing. It's like some days I'm doing really well and I'm like, oh, amazing. Like I'm sleeping till 1030. Like I don't, um, I'm doing literally whatever I want to do all the time. Um, and, you know, my friends who are hungover are like having to take care of their babies and there's or, you know, stay at a friend's house and their baby's like crying in the middle of the night and you feel like, OK, like this is not a big deal. Like I'm like, you know, it doesn't look so amazing over there to everyone all the time anyway. And then there's other days when you're like on social media and you see like all these like things and these happy families and you feel like really shitty. So it's very much like I would say most days are good. And some days are like really bad. Kind of like anything else I assume people are are dealing with. Yeah, a few people wrote in asking how you kind of approach everyday life going through mm-hmm. things like this. Like someone said, it feels like the joy is sucked out of everything else. Right. And I'm curious kind of like what if that's. I think at first it felt like that when I like first miscarried, it felt like, oh, okay, I cannot be happy until – I have a baby like we've got to just like do this immediately like as soon as humanly possible because like I am fucking miserable it's kind of and then you're like 
you know, oh, I can drink again. But like, you're like, it, it's like kind of like when, you, you know, you're, you break up with a guy and then you're at the bar and you're like, I don't really want to be here, but like, here I am. You're like crying Ooh. at the bar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like, I don't really want to be drinking, but like, you're right. Like I should, because like, I'm not, um, pregnant anymore. Um, and I think that like, eventually I got to a state, um, and it's not like linear. So it's not, again, it's not like every day, but I think I got to a state where I was like, I don't know how, like, I don't know how long this is going to take. Like, it's taking a lot longer than I thought it was going to take. And I cannot, like, I refuse to just waste years of my life being completely miserable until I get there. Because, like, Mm -hmm. it could be, like, many years. Like, I have no idea how long it's going to take. And I don't want to look back and feel like I literally threw away years of my life that I could be enjoying, like, again, doing whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it and traveling and, you know, staying out and just doing fun stuff, like really focusing on my career, all that stuff. Um, I don't want to look back and say like those years were just spent devastated and because it it's like it. And I, I think uh, one of your questions that I saw, which was like, why do you like talking to people who don't have kids who don't want kids? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of those things is that they remind me that like you can have a really full, amazing life without children. And again, it's not that I don't want children, but it's sort of like when you're so narrowly focused on hitting this goal, you're sort of like there are plenty of people out there who like have really great, like lovely lives who don't have kids and they're very happy. And so I think um, when I hear about those people and I hear their reasons why they don't want kids and they're always like, oh, I don't want to like, is it insensitive for me to tell them like, no, like, tell me more. Like I'm here. It's like, I'm hearing like, you know, the amazing stories of a single person. You're like, um, you know, it's like, that's, uh, it's like, it reminds you that like, things are not that bad. Like there's plenty of people who don't even want this. Um, so I think it, it takes like the edge off a little bit. I actually really enjoy it. Yeah. I really appreciated that that perspective and yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciated that perspective in the interview that, um, you did with your sister about hearing from people who are intentionally child-free and, and what that's like. So I'm not sure if I want kids and kind of like you guys were saying about the, like, does that take you, like, does the infertility make you like question your femininity? I think Mm -hmm. like. I've heard people who talk, women specifically, who talk about not wanting kids and they've had that judgment put on them as well of like, well, if you don't want to be a mother, then like, what are you even doing? Right. Yeah. And I think that that's like, again, like I think that judgment maybe is something that I used to have more or like even, you know, even if consciously or or unconsciously, but I think finding like the merits in that position is just something that makes you like a, a person who understands people more too. Like what, um, that there's not just one choice for everyone. There's not just like one path that makes people happy, that people can find fulfillment in all sorts of different lifestyles. And I think that like, I had never really thought about that before. Um, and again, I still like very much want kids, but I think that, um, being able to like understand why someone would not is just a very healthy perspective to have also. It's like not everyone's goal is to get married. That too, yeah. And you don't, because yeah. it can seem like crazy to someone who really wants it, but then I think when you, um, like that's that that makes you a better person too, is understanding that like not everyone wants the same things in any path of life, career, 
like family, um, you know, relationships. Like there's not just one size fits all to everyone. And that makes you feel like also I can get, I can get to this, this finish line in my own time too, because it's like not everyone feels like they need to do this immediately. Yeah. I liked, um, I think your sister posed you the question being like, if there's a crystal ball that said you will have a kid and you're going to have it at this age, like say 37 or something, that's just older than you are now. Mm-hmm. It's like how well, there is a crystal like, ball. I saw a Reiki person. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I it's think, like if, if someone said you, you will get married. It's just going to be later than you thought. You will have a kid. It's just going to be later right. than you thought. We all would relax. We'd all be like, oh, okay. Yeah. So it is going to happen. Let me have fun. Right. Yeah. And I yeah, think about I'll that when it comes to like uh, being married and dating. I'm like, if I had known I was going to meet my husband when I did, I would have just like enjoyed dating. I would have like had a lot more fun. I would have just like been a lot more relaxed about the whole thing and probably like just had a way better time. Yeah. That's, I look at my young twenties as that where you're just like, what is it? We're all young. It's not serious. We're having fun. And then all of a sudden like a certain age hit and all of a sudden I was like, okay, the fun method has not worked and, <laughs> and maybe you should take it more seriously. <laughs> like, are we still having fun? Is everyone? Yeah. Like, like all of a sudden I was like, oh, yeah. my age now feels like, now it's on the forefront of my mind. Um, funny, I actually, I was curious, you know, going through things like this too, do you feel like any of your perspective on like what you should look for in a partner, like and who you choose to marry or be with has like it all shifted? Like, do you feel like there are new things now you would put it like the top of your list after going through things like this? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, it's really important to be there with someone who to, for, both for yourself and to, to find a partner who it's very easy to support someone when they're having a bad day. Um, but it's harder to support someone when they're having a bad year. I think mm-hmm. um, wow. I that's, that. that's like a lot, that's a lot more difficult. And like, I think that that's something, you know, that I'm really grateful that my husband has, you know, he knows sometimes I'm like, I'm really down and it's not just like a day. It's like a week. It's a month. It's like, um, you know, this whole process is like so many ups and downs and it's nice to have like a very steady supportive presence who doesn't, you know, get frustrated also doesn't put any pressure on me for this kind of situation. Obviously again, there's like other, there's always like something that someone could be doing. I would say like, it'd be very rare to get through this whole thing without any fighting at all. But um, in general, I think it's just someone who's like, supportive and someone who's like really steady is like has been really great to have someone who's just like really like a rock like when they say a rock it just means like they're not you know they're not going anywhere and they're always going to be there and they're like supporting but not like pressuring I think has been really nice and I you know I appreciate him because again he's he doesn't really feel like the urgency that I do he's very much like I know it'll happen I'm not like that concern but he still like understands that I don't feel the same way like that it does that it is a different experience for me than like it'll happen eventually like that is the number one thing I feel like I hear anybody in any type of speech or thank you to their spouse is they usually always say like they were my rock they were with me through a long period of time that wasn't great and I think sometimes we all sit there and it's sad to say we're almost like surprised a little bit but it's like you're pleasantly surprised yeah you know because especially early dating like you have that bad day there's this voice in your head and you're like 
okay, but you can't be like bad day girl all the time. No one wants right. to date the person that's, you know, in a bad mood every time they see, you know, like it's kind of at the forefront of your mind. So it's very nice to hear that he's been great with you through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and it's been like, you know, it makes you, it does make you, I think, closer and stronger to, to feel like you're going through something with someone, even if you do sometimes feel like you're taking the brunt of it, but you know. Yeah. Well, it also sounds like, I know you, you talked about how this has made you have more empathy for people going through things or like kind of put yourself in other people's shoes. It sounds like that's an important trait for your partner to have is that like, they're not going to be able to understand what's going on with your body, but being able to support you in something that they don't even fully understand. Yeah, no, totally. And I think it's kind of like, well, they, it's, it's very hard, I think for a lot of partners who are not going through it. Cause you're like, I can't fix this. I can't like do it myself. Um, and so I don't really know like where my place is here. And I think that's something we've learned from, you know, going through it is it's, it's nice to be asked, how, how would you like me to support you right now? Mm. How would you, you know, what's the best, what's the, cause it's not always the way you think it is. You know, it's not always like asked for me. It was like, at sometimes it's like, I want you to like learn more about this so that I am not the only one who knows the language that this person is like speaking about. And sometimes it's like, I just want you to listen to me like rant and like be really pissed off. And um, sometimes it's like, I just want you to like go away. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I think, I you know, it's, go golfing, just get out of the house, right. To just get out the of here day. and like, leave me alone and not mm -hmm. tell me it's going to be fine. Cause I think that, you know, they want to say like, it's going to work out. It's going to be fine. But it's like, how do you know? I don't know. Like it's sort of what you, um, and so sometimes that's not what you want to hear. Yeah. I get that. Oh, I get that. <laughs> That line usually drives me nuts. Yeah. Right. I, is it the how is do you know thing? Yeah, right? How do you know? You don't know. Right. Or like, oh, specifically, I had a friend. She met her uh, now fiance, and I think she was like 30. And I'll never forget, like, I turned 30, and I was like catching up with her about dating. And she was just like, I'm telling you, Erica, it happens when you turn 30. You're going to meet your person oh, come on. this year. Oh, and then I'll never forget the next year, 31. She was like, it happens when you're 31. One. <laughs> if you just believe, <laughs> yeah. I just kept moving the goalposts. I'm like, all right, Kristen, now I'm 32. So oh my God. Like, she's like, it's going to happen when you're 32. And I was like, stop putting a number on it. Like. Make it worse. Right. It just stop counting, please. Stop counting. <laughs> stop counting. Yeah, I think, uh, I think this is amazing. Yeah. Thank you guys Thank so you. much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. This was uh, awesome. And if you haven't checked out Baby Steps yet, go check out Jordana's new podcast. And uh, and you also interview people from all different walks of life. One of my favorite episodes was the points guy. One, oh, yeah. Through, that was an awesome like, one. We've got dads oh, yeah. on here. Yeah, we've got single dads on uh, on the episode, too. And I love that story. That was great. And single moms. We've got we had uh, Amanda Freeman. She also had a really interesting story. Yeah. So thank you again so much for coming on. We always love having you. And uh, everybody else listening, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Thanks, Jordana. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 